Hey there, and thanks for listening to our podcast. Our mission at Hope is to invite everyone to find Jesus and help them move toward the center of God's purpose for their life. Here's this weekend's message. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to all of our campuses, all of you watching online, all of us here. Man, it's good to see you. Looking good today. Turn to your neighbor and say, man, you're looking good. Would you do that? Hey, uh, glad you're here. That was weird, I know. Um, Christmas Eve uh, is coming up soon. I can't believe it. It's, it's ridiculous how fast Christmas season comes along, and it's awesome. Um, like Easter, Christmas Eve is one of those services, it's tr- traditional in our culture, and when somebody receives an invitation, they're more likely to say yes to a Christmas Eve or to an Easter-type service, right? So we have some invite cards. It looks like this across all of our campuses. You can go to our info uh, centers and pick one up or kick, pick up 10, whatever. And if you have neighbors, coworkers, friends at school, there's a QR code on the back. You can RSVP if they want to, to, for, to for a seat. Now, I'm asking everyone to do an RSVP. But our guests, you know, whatever service they come, we try to make room for everybody. But it's a great time to invite some family members that, that you don't like, and, and maybe after the service you'll like them, right, that are in town, whatever. So uh, Christmas Eve is a great time to do that. Uh, Prosper, our, our uh, Big Give uh, weekend is next weekend, the 10th and 11th. So if you um, are able to join us in, in, in the, the offering next week, it's, it's, we, we want, it's more than just a building or debt-free, although it's both of those. This is a long-term play for what I really believe God wants to do in Prosper in our surrounding areas, just like here at Frisco East, Frisco West, McKinney, Prosper, and wherever else the Lord may have us. So if you can join us for, the, for that next weekend, that big give, it'd be awesome. We, wanna, we really want to build that debt-free if we can, but it's, it's more than, than, than that. It, it's for generations to come, that church will be there when you and I are long gone. And so building the kingdom and establishing his work in that city and that surrounding area would be great. So if you can join us in that, that'd be, that'd be awesome. Okay, today, week two of a series we're calling The Art of Christmas. And there's a reason why we're calling it that. It's, it's the way in which God put the story together. Artwork today, and I don't know if the screen is working. We'll see. Okay, there it is. Uh, I bring you good news. There's baby Jesus in the manger. It's, it's this artwork and, and things like this, but it's also the way God puts the story together. And over the last few weeks, here's where we've been uh, in the art of Christmas. Last week, I talked about don't be afraid and the levels of fear and the levels of peace. When God asks us to do something, there's no reason to be afraid. There, in fact, obedient, with obedience comes peace. There's a lot of peace that comes with doing what God asks us to do and, and how he asks us to live. And today, I'm going to talk to you about bringing good news, the, the good news. Now, I was raised in the, mostly the 70s, graduated in, in the 80s, but the news, 530 news. Anybody remember the 530 news? Walter Cronkite. I was raised, how many remember Walter Cronkite? And I know I'm old, but that's the way it is. <laughs> December 4th, 1972. I, I mean, I can hear his voice. Um, and I watch that news, and not every day, but 
if I was watching on the 530 News, that's the one I would watch. And he would come on. And, 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 and even to this day, the news is virtually the same. 5.30, 6, doesn't matter what news it is. They're going to start off with breaking story, breaking news. Then it's going to be some world calamity, something going on in the world that, that we should know about. And, and typically, it's all bad news for about 26 minutes or so. And then the last two or three, there's a heartwarming story of how a puppy saved the world right? You know, it's that warming story. It's like, so that we're not all depressed by the end of that 30 minutes. And cable news is virtually the same. It emphasizes and even creates the divide in our world. And it just gets us all worked up because there's not much good news being reported. It's just the bottom line. And it's not unlike Israel in the first century and hundreds of years, even thousands of years before. If you know the, the history of Israel and how they were into cap, brought into captivity several times in the history of their country, starting with, with Egypt and, and then Assyria and then Medo-Persia, the Medes and the Persians, and Babylon and Greece and Rome, first century, this is where Jesus was born, all of these countries were at, in some form or fashion dominating or bringing into captivity Israel. And for hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus, there was nothing but bad news. It seemed like nothing. I know not every year, not every king, but there was a lot of their history that was virtually made up of every time they turned around, it was bad news. And a lot of it was because of their rebellion against God and his rule in their lives. But it was consistently bad. Leading up to the first century, when they would live in their own land, but not free to govern themselves. Where they would live in the land that was promised to them by God, but under someone else's rule. Living with a promise, but not much hope. That was first century. Now, 700 years before Jesus, a prophet by the name of Isaiah would prophesy about the first century. Chapter 9, verse 1 says it like this. Nevertheless, that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. The land of Zebulun and Naphtali will be humbled, but there will be a time in the future, 700 years in the future, when Galilee of the Gentiles, which lies along the road that runs between the Jordan and the sea, will be filled with glory. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. Nothing but bad news, deep darkness. I mean, it's just like every time I turn around, there's no break. Maybe you feel like that in your life. Maybe there's this, this constant, because of your decisions maybe, because of decisions of others, but you always feel like, man, it's, I can never get a break. There's always something bad around the corner. I can never quite get around it, right? For those who live in the land of deep darkness, a light will shine. You will enlarge the nation of Israel and its people will rejoice. They will rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest and like warriors dividing the plunder. For you will break the yoke of their slavery and lift the heavy burden from their shoulders. You will break the oppressor's rod just as you did when you destroyed the army of Midian. The boots of the warrior and the uniforms bloodstained by war will be all burned. In other words, just, it's always been hard. It's always been war. It's always been oppression. 
They will be fuel for the fire. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. Now this is 700 years before Jesus. Isaiah prophesying about a time in Galilee where Jesus actually was raised, Nazareth, and that there would be good news. Amidst the deep darkness and the despair and the bad news of the day, there would be a, a child who would be born, who would bring good news. In fact, Luke chapter 2, the Christmas story, let's read it again, says it this way. At that time, the Roman emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them. We talked about this last week. Don't be afraid. And that's where we stopped. But the story doesn't stop there. Thank goodness, the story doesn't stop there. He said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, and they would know. These are key words, Savior, Messiah, and Jewish community, culture. They would know that this was the promise from the prophets. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. So when the angel says good news, that's the first, time, that's the first phrase good news that they would hear and, and that we would read in the New Testament. The first time we would hear this phrase is of uh, the good news. That, what is that? I mean, we know good news when we hear it. We know bad news when we hear it. But what, what is this spiritual good news? Let me give you like a working definition of good news. The word gospel, which is an old English word in, the, in, the, in the which the, the King James translates good news gospel, comes from the Greek word evangelion. And in that, translated in old English as good news. Evangelion is good news. The term implies and includes salvation and literally meaning the message that saves us. So when Jesus says, I am preaching the good news of the kingdom, or I'm bringing the good news of the kingdom, it is the message that saves us. This is throughout the New Testament. I, I did a search on just Paul's letters on how many times he said good news. And I didn't, I, I, I lost count because I was like, okay, this is too many times. I mean, all through his letters, good news, good news, good news, good news, good news, good news. And every time you hear that, 
when the angel, starting with the angel in Luke 2, and Jesus in the Gospels preaching good news, and then Peter or Paul re- rehearsing or, or uh, saying good news over and over. What does that mean? It's the message that saves us. That's good news. Now, into first century shepherds, first century Jewish culture, when you mention Messiah, when you mention Savior, that's good news because he would save us from our sin because they were under a system called the law. Because of the sin in their lives, they would, they would, they would have to sacrifice each year for their sin. Depending on the size of the sin, some of you, you have to bring a big fat bull because of the size of your sins, right? Some just a little dove. But they would have to do that every year because the law. The, the law is the way to live. And if you break the law, the spiritual law, if you break that, then you have to pay for that in a sacrifice. And you do that every year, every year, every year. Well, the Messiah would take that away. In other words, he would take upon himself the sin so that we could be saved. The good news, the message that saves. So today, I want to give you, some, there's many that we could probably, I could probably uh, give you, but I want to give you a few thoughts on or important things about good news. The first one is this. It's good news unlike any other. Now, what I mean by that is of all the religions in the world, all of them are about us getting to God by our works, by our goodness, by our ability to perform or keep the rules, to have more good on the scales of of our lives, to have more good than bad. That the balance would be we have way more good than we have bad. And that's how we get to God. We climb our way, crawl our way, pray our way, work our way to becoming right with God. Well, this good news of Jesus is like none other. Ephesians chapter 2 says it like this, verse 8. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward. So it's not a reward for the good things, for the ability that we have to perform and, and, and climb our way or work our way or, or do whatever to, to, to get God's attention, to, to get saved, to become good enough. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. That's good news. Galatians chapter 2, verse 16 says it like this, yet we know that a person is made right with God by faith in Jesus Christ, not by obeying the law. Now, in the context is understanding that they were Jewish people in the first century, shepherds, Mary, Joseph, that whole, that whole story They're under the law, and that's how they were made right with God, by keeping the law, sacrificial systems, and then they would try their best the next year to do better and to keep the law. We know that a person is made right with God by faith in Jesus Christ, not by obeying the law. And we have believed in Jesus Christ so that we might be made right with God because of our faith in Christ, not because we have obeyed the law. For no one will ever be made right with God by obeying the law. God came to us. We're not trying to get to God. He came down. Emmanuel, John 1, he, worked, he moved into the neighborhood. 
God in the flesh came to us. We don't have to get to him. We're not hoping we make it to heaven. We're not hoping we're saved. We're not praying we make it to heaven. We're not praying that we're saved. The good news is the message that saves that we know that we know that we know. So let me put it on the screen like this. The good news is the message that it's Jesus who saves us, no one or nothing else. I don't care who you are in this room, wherever you're watching, whatever campus you're on, I don't care who you are. Online, you may be great. You may have good things going on in your life. You may have a big bank account. You may have good deeds, balance. You may be a, a, you know, more good than you are bad, but that's not how you're saved. Nothing you do or nothing anyone else does. It is... Jesus, who saves. So when you hear good news, when you read that this season in your devotions or in your Advent reading, and you hear good news in Luke chapter 2, know that it's unlike any other good news, including Old Testament, including the Quran, including any other religion. It is not us trying to attain and get to God. It is God coming to us. Number two, about good news, is it's good news to those who know they need good news. Now, this is interesting. To those who know they need good news. So Jesus is in the wilderness before he starts his ministry, in the desert. And he's tempted by the enemy. Hopefully you know that story. And and he says, as it's written three different times, man shall not live by bread alone. Don't tempt the Lord your God. Anyway, he comes out of the temptation of the desert, and he goes into a synagogue in Nazareth, and he's reading Scripture, and he's handed a Scripture. And I want you to notice the description that is used for those who need good news. Luke chapter 2, let's read, verse, or chapter 4. When he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read the scriptures. The scroll of Isaiah the prophet was handed to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where this was written. <clears throat> the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to... Now listen to this. I want you to look at, just kind of remember every description... He has anointed me to bring good news to who? The poor. He has sent me to proclaim that the captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free. When Jesus describes who needs the good news, when he describes the Spirit has anointed me, to reach these people, poor, captives, blind, oppressed. He doesn't say the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he wants me to preach to the kings and the kingdoms of this world, to the religious elite who understand the Old Testament law and scriptures, and now they will see a great light in my teaching. The description are those who are poor, captive, captive, blind, and oppressed. 
And the time of the Lord's favor has come. He rolled up the scroll, handed it back to the attendant, and sat down. All eyes in the synagogue looked at him intently. Then he began to speak to them. The scripture you've just heard has been fulfilled this very day. Now, now we're going to get to another passage, but I want to set this up. This is one of the most important points of the day. The good news is for people who know they need good news. And it is so easy for us who have been raised, perhaps if you've been raised in the church all your life, and you haven't done a whole lot of bad, right? It's not like you've been crazy out there. It is so easy to get to a point of self-righteousness and to look down on everybody else around you. And to hear of people, even Christians, who fall into some sin and to go, man, I'm glad I'm not like them. I'm glad I'm not them. To, to say those kinds of things, those words, those condescending, self-righteous words, prideful, as if you don't need the good news. They need the good news. I mean, they're, they're, they're messed up. Jesus, Mark chapter 2 it's the calling of Matthew. In this particular passage, he's called Levi. But he's, it's the gospel of Matthew, the guy who wrote the gospel of Matthew. Mark chapter 2, here's what it says. Then Jesus went out to the lakeshore again and taught the crowds that were coming to him. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus. Now, this is Matthew again, sitting at his tax collector's booth. Let's stop right there. Jewish people hated the tax collectors. They were Jewish people who worked for the Roman government who took the taxes from the Jewish people. But they overcharged them, the taxes. They gave Rome what they needed, and they pocketed the rest. That's why the tax collectors were very wealthy, most of them. Follow me, and I will be, a dis you, and, and be my disciple. So he, Jesus is calling a despised tax collector to come and follow him to be his disciple. Jesus said to him, so Levi got up, followed him. Late, later, Levi invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors. Now, many tax, I mean, I mean, the Israel's not that big. How many do they need? Right? Many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. Listen to this. There were many people of this kind among Jesus's followers. But when the teachers of religious law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with tax collectors and other sinners, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with such scum? When Jesus heard this, he told them, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. Let me ask you a question today. Do you know that you're a sinner? Or do you think you're righteous? Now, I understand, spiritually speaking, Jesus makes us right before God. He makes us righteous. I totally get that. But the good news is for those who really know that they need the good news. Not for the prideful, elite, the self-righteous, religious the condescending, non-compassionate people. And, and I'm telling you, the church, in the church, we're made up a lot of that. Self-righteous, judgmental, no compassion, 
condescending. I'm glad I'm not like them. They're despicable. They're scum. And, and, and the, the good news, the gospel is for people who know that they are lost, who know that they need a Savior, who know that they're blind and captivated, cap, held captive, oppressed. So today, as you think about the gospel, if you don't know that you need the good news, then you need to know that you need the good news. I'm not going to say that again. You need to know, we need to know that we need good news. I don't care how good you are. And again, I'm not, I know spiritually speaking, I totally get it. We are right before God. We are the righteousness of God in Christ. I know that. But you, you and I both know we're one step away from stupid on any given day. Does that make sense? You know, I mean, we're one dumb decision away from doing something that we never thought we would do. All of us. So, so we have this position, we take this position of humility rather than pride. And that's who the good news is for. The good news is unlike any other good news. But the good news is also for people who know they need good news. And do you know that you need good news today? The third Third is, it's good news to everyone who believes. Romans chapter 1, famous verse Paul uses, For I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ, the message that saves. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes. There's a point at which you decide to believe. Baptism. Tons of people across our campuses got baptized today. It's a, it's a sign of belief. It's, it's an outward expression of what's going on on the inside. The old person going under the water, new person in Christ coming up. But it is a symbol. It's a sign to all of us that, hey, I'm saying to everyone, I don't even know you, but I'm saying to you that I'm, I'm a believer. I believe. It is the good news for those who believe. Do you believe? John 3, 16, we all know this passage, right? This is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who, what? Believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. That's the bottom line. Do you know that you need good news? And have you believed that good news? Is there a point in which you just said, yes, I believe in who Jesus is, what he did for me, And I put my faith in that. It's not by my works. It's not by our works. It's not by our goodness, but it's by what Jesus did. And do you believe? In Advent, we light candles, right? We, last week, we lit the first candle, and there's themes of Advent, right? There's, there's all kinds of things. Christmas themes. And the first one last week represented uh, peace. The, the gospel story was don't be afraid. Today I want to light the second candle. 
and it represents hope. But let me explain hope for just a minute. It's not a hope like, I really hope Jesus loves me. I really hope Jesus will accept me. I really hope that it's hope fulfilled. So everybody look at me today. The good news is unlike any other. But the good news is only for those who know that they need good news. And if you tend to go on the, to, to tend to err on the self-righteous, look down at everybody else, then guys, can I tell you, today's message was for you. Just not, not in a con, uh, condescending or, or condemning way. It, it, just, it, it was just a nudge to say, hey, listen, instead of a, a, a religious way of looking at others, understand that you and I, we all are in the same mess and that we are in desperate need of good news in our lives. And then the, the third one is, is, do you believe? Have you accepted what Jesus has done in his birth, life, death, and resurrection. Do you believe, not just a fairy tale, it's not Disney, that Jesus lived a sinless life, died on the cross paying for our sins, our mistakes, our shortcomings, our rebellion, our disobedience? And do you believe today, as we, as they sing this last song, Light of the World, I love the song, as I like this second candle advent of hope fulfilled, I want you to think about your life and what areas that the good news needs to be affecting in your life. What, what is it that God is speaking to you today? And rest in the fact that we have hope fulfilled. His birth His birth gives us everything we need in, in the good news that we've talked about today. God, thank you. Thank you for doing what only you could do, living the life that only you could live, paying the price that only you could pay, so that you, we, who desperately needed, lost, poor, in captivity, oppressed, blind, so that those of us who really know that we are poor, that we are blind, that we are held captive, that we are oppressed, we put our faith, we believe in the message, the gospel, the good news that saves. So wherever we are, Lord, I pray that we'd make a move, we'd take a step today. And that the light of the world that brings the hope fulfilled that this is reality. God, may we respond today to your grace and to your love. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to Hope's weekend message. Visit hopefellowship.net and further connect with us by downloading the Hope app from the App Store or Google Play. 
Have a great day.